You are listening to Intergenerational Politics with Jill Wine-Banks and Victor Shi, where we host weekly political discussions that are engaging and relevant to all generations with experts on various issues facing our country today. This is our second installment of our special convention coverage. Uh, my name is Victor Shi. I'm the co-host of this podcast. I'm also the youngest Joe Biden delegate here in Illinois. Jill, can you give us a brief introduction about who you are? Sure. Uh, I'm a former Watergate prosecutor, former general counsel of the Army, and corporate executive at Motorola and Maytag, and deputy attorney general and solicitor general of Illinois, and a proud Biden delegate, Um, not the youngest delegate, maybe the oldest delegate, but I don't know that for sure. And uh, today we are hosting my own representative, Jan Schakowsky, who is a fabulous member of Congress, and we're very excited to have her We want to talk about two subjects. One, we want to talk about the convention, but we also want to talk about the thing that's on everyone's mind right now, and that is Congress going back on Saturday, the day after the, uh, well, two days after the convention actually ends, in order to vote on some resolution to protect the United States Postal Service, something that I find incomprehensible that we're discussing But um, I've gone from total panic about the situation, and not just because of the election, but because of veterans who depend on it for their medicine and seniors as well, social security checks, businesses that send out bills by mail and expect checks in return. It's a vital part of our society. And I go from being panicked when I see uh, trucks being towed away and mailboxes being pulled off the street and sorting machines taken out of post offices, uh, hours being cut, and so there's no overtime, and a, a genuine slowing down of the mail delivery and the announcement by President Trump that it's because it will affect the election. He wants to slow down the mail to prevent voting by mail. That to me is A, a crime, interfering with the mail, which is a federal crime, but it is also an impeachable offense to interfere in the election. So I'm scared and worried and very happy that Congress is going back into session. So could you tell me what you think um, and how you think this is going to come out? Do we have to really worry or is he not going to get away with this? Well, I have never seen such an onslaught of calls and uh, all kinds of contact to my office of people who are so furious, furious. And I actually think furious is better than scared um, because it is a motivating um, kind of feeling. And that um, I think there is such a determination right now to stop what Donald Trump has admitted the purpose of these activities. I mean, you know, that's the one thing about Trump, I'll tell you, he'll tell you exactly what he's <laughs> trying to do. And, you know, here we have the Postal Service that is actually embedded in the, cons- in the uh, Constitution of yes. the United States um, and is the most popular federal agency of any in the United States. About 91% of people say that, that the Postal Service is their, is their favorite. You know, it's very personal very personal. Not only, I don't know about you, but my, no, my Tony who delivers the mail to, uh, to, to my house, but people, and you mentioned veterans, 
Yes. Veterans depend on the Postal Service for their medication. The entire Veterans Administration operates that way. And by the way, a huge percentage of the postal workers are actually veterans themselves. Yes. Um, and so we are hearing from people who um, have had their medications delayed, and that is very, very, very dangerous. And as you also mentioned, people who uh, a fellow who was not able to pay his mortgage because he was waiting for the payments wow. in response to his um, bill billings that he that he sent out. I mean, these are really serious things. Uh, we we heard from a food bank that was doing solicitation um, to get money to be able to provide for the uh, for their community. And it turns out that the mail was being held up because it was third class mail and they weren't getting out. But, you know, I mean, just one thing after another that has been so disruptive to Americans uh, all over the, the country and certainly in every single district. That's why I'm not worried because we are seeing a backlash that I think is, um, you know, really being responded to by the Congress, but also by individuals who understand the importance that, you know, this is the, you know, John, John Lewis, whose funeral I had the honor of being invited to, um, this is the most important thing in our democracy, the ability to vote. And he risked his life and nearly lost his life over and over again to defend that. There is something in the American heart that believes that thoroughly. You cannot take away my right to vote. And so we're gonna, as a Congress, come back on Saturday, actually vote for a bill that will prohibit the things that the, uh, the, the president and his um, postmaster, the, um, whose only qualification really is that um, he gave a million dollars to Donald Trump, Mick, what's his name now? Um, DeJoy. Uh, DeJoy. DeJoy. Yeah, um, Louis DeJoy. And, um, and, and now, in a Friday night massacre, I think borrowed from, the, uh, yes. from your era, yes. um, fired uh, a, a number of, uh, of the longtime uh, uh, they were these are these are people who worked for the post off postal service the united states postal service for many years these are dedicated public servants who we got rid of because they were not going along with his way of manipulating and undermining the uh, the vote through the postal service so the the, the corruption is just so deep and it's for for uh, DeJoy, it's not just for him about uh, making sure that people can uh, can vote. He has big dollar investments yeah. in companies yes. that are really um, in competition with the, the Postal Service. So he's all for privatization. Just get rid of it. That will help me get get richer. So, I mean, the 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 corruption um, of this administration. There is no bottom. There is no bottom. I'm glad you mentioned the second point because it is a combination of doing what Donald Trump wants, which is to interfere with the election, 
but it is also personal private gain. And um, another specific thing that they're talking about, besides having removed sorting machines and shortening hours, is that they're saying that the normal way that states mail out the mail ballots is third-class bulk mail, and that they're no longer going to give it the priority that it has always had. They are going to treat it as bulk mail, which will further slow down its delivery, mm. and or the states will have to pay three times more almost three times more, 55 cents, to mail us a application, to mail us the ballot, and we have to pay 55 cents to mail it back to them. Um, and so- so, the bill, so Jill, the bill that we're gonna pass will absolutely say that the um, vote by mail materials have to be treated like first class mail. So, you know- we're, But paid that, at a bulk rate. And you know what? I don't. I haven't heard the, the the numbers yet, but I know that there are a number of Republicans who are from states with Republican governors right. that have engaged in um, vote by mail for years and years. And I think they will be with us on this on this vote. So I think what the president is going to see, what DeJoy is going to see, is overwhelming opposition to what to what they're doing. And then there's the courts also. And you saw that um, in uh, Rhode Island, um, where they tried to stop vote by mail, the Supreme Court actually made a good decision um, yes. not to allow that. So, you know, every, every, there will be no stone unturned and there will be no voice unheard against what the president is trying to, to do. It's so outrageous. I, and I, I'm sure that there will be uh, ACLU, NAACP, Legal Defense Fund, many other organizations will be bringing lawsuits to make sure that people have and that every vote is counted. That's one pin. I have to mention the other is a Jan fan mm. because I am a Jan fan. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm, I'm, I mean, I guess I'm feeling a little bit relieved by what's in the bill that you're going to be talking about on Saturday um, so that I feel maybe safer. I also was encouraged by, and I don't know if you had a chance to see this, um, there was a, a special uh, little clip about the post office, and it basically said between Thanksgiving, the end of Thanksgiving, November 26th, and January 1st, the post office handles more mail than if every person in the United States voted by mail, which we know won't happen, but let's just say everybody eligible to vote voted by mail, there would be less than they handle in the Christmas rush. So there is no question that unless extreme steps like taking away the sorting machines, like cutting out overtime, if those things don't happen, the post office can handle the ballots without a problem. Um, I also think states may have to adjust rules, like Arizona has a rule that if your ballot is postmarked by November 3rd, but not received until three days later, it'll still be counted. Just let me say, one of the, one of the things that we want to recommend, though, to people is if you're voting by mail, and I agree, the Postal Service can handle it, get your ballot in early. Yes. As yeah. early as possible so that your ballot is not arriving on the, la the very last day. Um, and you, so you can do some things yourself to safeguard yes. your vote. It, and do you know if in Illinois there will be 
special lock boxes that you there could are. actually drop off your ballot without going inside, maybe like a mailbox. It would be a secure thing, um, or maybe it would be inside, but you wouldn't have to wait in line. You would just drop it in the box. Is that yes. going to happen? Illinois, Illinois is going to have um, drop, drop boxes. And um, we're also hoping, again, we haven't seen language of the, of the legislation, um, that people would also be able to drop a ballot at an early voting place. Yes. So you, you, you vote, you know, you have your mail ballot, but you can right. drop it someplace before mm -hmm. the, the, the end. Um, I, I'm telling you, I, I really, I have never seen, you were talking about the organizations, the ACLU, et cetera, NAACP, but individuals who are so incredibly outraged by this. I really find it as a grassroots organizer, that's my background, I really feel encouraged and inspired by the outrage that is, I think, going to be able to turn things around for us. And we've seen that it has an impact because uh, DeJoy has said he will stop removing post boxes until after the election. So there is, and I think also stop removing sorting machines. So public reaction does matter. You mentioned the Friday night in our case, it was a Saturday night massacre. Yeah. Um, but the public protest after Archie Cox, the special prosecutor, was fired was so enormous that it only took three days for Richard Nixon to say, okay, I'm going to give you the tape recordings and I'm going to appoint a new special prosecutor. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the kind of public outcry that we need. This was in the days before there was internet. So people mailed letters through the United States Post Office. Our office got, I don't know if anybody has ever seen these huge sacks of canvas mail. That's how mail was delivered. And we were getting sacks and sacks and sacks of these mail. And so was the White House. And that's what led the president to say, okay, I'm changing my mind. I will do what the law says. And a big difference from Donald Trump, he also, if we can go back to the 1960 election, where there was some question about the voting in Chicago uh, as to whether it was uh, phonied. And I yes, I, I do too. Um, and I, I was still too young to vote, but I did campaign for um, JFK in, in that election. And Richard Nixon said, I'm not challenging the outcome. I accept it because that's how the Constitution is set up. Al Gore, who I and many others criticized for giving in so easily to the vote in Florida, I now see the wisdom of his saying, this is how the constitutional process works, and I'm not going to further challenge it. And that's what we could all hope for from Donald Trump, is that he's not going to contest all of these things. But the important thing is what you said, get your ballot in early and let's have an overwhelming landslide. Let's do what Richard Nixon did in 68, where he got 49 out of 50 states he won. We need to right. win 50 out of 50. Right. No, I think this is a turnout election. And um, that's why um, I think it's important from every age sector, um, from senior voters um, like ourselves, um, um, you know, to young people. Um, I, the under 40-year-old voters yes. are very, um, you know, are less likely to vote, but more likely to vote our way. 
And so, you know, I'm glad that you're doing this with Victor because we got to get the vote out. So Victor, I know wants to ask some questions about um, the campaign and the convention. And so let's let him have from his perspective questions that might help motivate his generation to vote and the 40 and under generation. Yeah, I mean, so like, like Jill had said in the intro, um, both Jill and I, we are delegates. This is our, um, this is for me, my first convention. This is for Jill, um, her first convention as a delegate. And it's obviously a really weird convention with everything being virtual. But um, can you just tell our audience first um, some of your past convention experiences? Um, what was it like? And kind of give us like an inside peek into like what um, it's like to be inside this huge arena with like thousands of delegates. Well, you know, there's something to be said for packing everybody in and, and, and so much excitement um, and just the atmosphere. Um, it's a, a, a big, it's a big party and it's a big unifying kind of, uh, of event. So there's no question about it, but my first convention um, was um, back in 84, Oh. When Geraldine Ferraro yes. was, oh, yeah. was nominated, wow! To be, and and I I remember so clearly there was a women's event when she came out on the stage that I was that I was at, and I was just crying the whole time, and so was so were all the other women there. Yeah. It was such a moving, moving um, experience. But the difference this time is going to be that our vice presidential woman nominee is going to be the vice president. We're actually yes. going to win. We've come, we've come such a, a long way. I'm so thrilled about Kamala Harris yeah. being on the, uh, on the ticket with Joe Biden. The two of them, I think, um, provide the, the kind of calm and unity that I think is so longed for in this country right now. Um, and something more like the no drama Obama administration. Yes. Show, of course, was in where there were no scandals, yeah. not, not one. Um, and uh, so it, I, I've been going to conventions for a very long time. I went to my first one in 1976. All right. Yes, Lindy Boggs was the chair yeah. and I was actually consul. So I was actually oh. new to politics because I was recently off being hatch act. Um, I had just left the government and it was my first political activity. And there I was on the podium, which is wow. quite a remarkable experience. And uh, Victor and I have talked about what he's missing, but he has a long life ahead of him and he's going to have many more conventions in his future. But go ahead with your questions, Victor. Sorry. Yeah. I mean say the other outstanding conventions for me, I had the privilege of being one of the co-chairs of both Obama campaigns. Wow. Oh. Uh, yeah. So that was, of course, you know, just so thrilling in every yeah. single way to speak at the, con the, the um, Colorado convention. It, it was just uh, yeah. amazing. 
Yeah, I know like, so Jill and I, we did a, um, a convention preview yesterday because this um, episode's launching today. And, you know, Jill was saying how for her, um, a big part of this convention was just meeting so many like figures in her life that she looks up to. And same with me, you know, just seeing, going to these state delegation meetings, meeting people like you, meeting people like Tammy Duckworth, meeting people like Kamala Harris, Joe Biden. It's just um, all of that is- Dick Durbin. Virtual. Dick Durbin, yeah. So everyone- in the Democratic Party who we look up to, you know, usually um, when we say celebrities, we think of like movie stars, but for us, those are like politicians and elected <laughs> officials, um, but definitely missing out on that. Um, so in terms of getting everyone out to vote, um, in terms of just this week in general, is there anything that you think is especially important for Democrats to focus on in terms of messaging? Um, or like, what message do you think Democrats need to send in order to kind of sway more voters? Well, first of all, I think we have to come out of this um, convention with the clear message that Democrats are unified. We are all on the same on the same page now, and there is nothing more essential than electing Joe Biden and Kamala Harris um, and beating Donald Trump. That it's existential. We have to win, um, and so there's uh, there's joy in that. That uh, we bring people together and and we talk about the unity. We're even going to have a couple of Republicans um, get up there because I, I know there are going to be a lot of Republicans. There's a huge gender gap also. I think women are going to see themselves. Yes. We're going to see ourselves in all our diversity in this convention. Um, and I think, you know, in some ways, the access that everyone will have to the convention, which is not always true, right? When we're meeting and there's the delegates and they're kind of special and there were super delegates, which we don't, really don't have any anymore that have all these special privileges, more of an inside game. But now every single person can dial into, can uh, connect to the uh, convention every, every evening and in some ways have the same access as everybody else does. Um, so I, I think there's, um, you know, that's kind of the bright side yeah. of, of having it uh, virtual, that the, um, the diversity of the people who are watching as well as the diversity of the people who are highlighted um, really makes a difference. This is what America looks like. This is what makes America great. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about, um, and we'll see, I'm hoping that we're going to get a, uh, a bump from this, uh, from this virtual convention that everybody's going to see that there's a place for them. And I think there will be a lot of emphasis on what everybody, each individual can do. I want people to come away thinking that what I do, what I personally do can make the difference in this election because it really can. Yeah. And and the other is that our lives depend on it because they really do. For sure. I mean, everything that's happened under this administration is so far from precedent. So, I mean, I think it's up to all of us to really make our voices heard. And, you know, during the primary process, um, for me, I started off as an Elizabeth Warren supporter and Kamala Harris supporter. Um, and then later on, um, as I watched the debates, I really connected with Joe Biden's values. And what Jill told me that was, that I thought was interesting was that you had first supported Elizabeth Warren um, during the primaries. Um, so I'm curious for our younger audience out there, what made you switch to Biden? Um, and what would you say to any young person um, and especially why they should support Biden if they're hesitant. Because I think a lot of my peers, based off the conversations that I've had, um, 
they, they aren't really supportive of Biden as a whole, but they're more supportive of um, just kicking Donald Trump out of office now. Um, but they're not really still enthusiastic about Biden or Harris or this ticket. Um, what would you say to them as a past Elizabeth Warren supporter? Well, first of all, I think that um, after, once the primaries were over, what we have really had an opportunity to see is the character of Joe Biden. Could we, can you think of a greater difference between Donald Trump and a man with such humanity and compassion and um, sensitivity to what Americans are really, are really feeling? And then you've got this incredibly powerful woman who is willing to, uh, how did she say it, that the case against Donald Trump um, and, um, and the vice president, open and shut, open and shut. Um, you know, Mike Pence may look a little bit, you know, like he has a little more, um, I don't know, gloss about him, but <laughs> policy-wise, just as bad. And, and so we, we need her to represent the, um, the, the strength, the, the role of the vice president to really be willing to take on this incredible, incredible contrast. I've also really gotten to, to know Jill Biden more. Yeah. Um, and you know, she's such an asset to, uh, to, to this campaign and so clear and so frank um, about why she loves Joe Biden that makes me love him even more. When, when you had your annual Women's Power Lunch this year, she was the keynote speaker. Mm -hmm. And it's the first time I've really seen her in depth she blew me away, not just me, everybody. She is a great asset to America, uh, without a doubt. And I, I don't even know what to say, except that we'd be lucky to have that team. Um, I don't know Kamala's uh, husband very well. He hasn't been introduced to me yet, but um, I'm waiting to meet him and I'm sure he will be a great asset as well. Yeah. So we have her representing um, uh, immigrants from two different yes. countries. So that she is African American, she's also South Asian, um, obviously female, um, and uh, for that one. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and um, she couldn't be a a greater contrast. Also, I think. Uh, a first lady who's going to talk about such important issues. She's a teacher. Mm -hmm. She'll talk to us about the importance yeah. of education. Um, yeah, no, she's terrific. Tonight we're going to hear Michelle Obama, and I would say that Jill Biden will be a comparably loved first lady. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She will be outstanding. And mm -hmm. right now, Michelle may be the most popular Democrat in America, but it won't take long for Jill Biden to reach that same level, I think it's mm -hmm. going to be very exciting. And they were very close when they yes. were together yeah. in, the, in, yeah. uh, in the White House. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think just closing this conversation, um, one of my favorite lines that Kamala said during her uh, during her campaign was she described herself as this joy uh, joyful warrior, and I think that couldn't be true. You know, she's always she you know when she smiles, it radiates in the room, yeah. and I think um, when it matters, you know, she's on. And you know, with, we saw that with Brett Kavanaugh, we saw that with um, a lot of these um, 
uh, cabinet officials, but I think that, you know, Kamala is definitely the perfect person to be in that position. And um, Jill Biden is the perfect person to have yes. as first lady. Um, but, you know, this convention week is going to be special. It's the first time it's going to be virtual. And we hope everyone listening tunes in. And we were so thankful to be talking with the one, the only Representative Jan Schakowsky. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. I want to say one other thing to, um, to, to young people. And I just want to close out with the last paragraph from John Lewis that um, he had published in the New York Times on the uh, day that he was buried. And he said this, when historians pick up their pens to write the story of the 21st century, let them say that it was your generation who who laid down the heavy burden of hate at last and that um, and that and that peace finally triumphed over violence and aggression and war so it says to so i say to you walk with the wind brothers and sisters, and let the spirit of peace and the power of everlasting love be your guide. Wow. He was talking, Victor, about your generation, yeah. that you have an opportunity. And that's why you don't have to agree with every single position that um, Joe Biden ever took, or even right now is taking. But what we know is that we can move ahead and transform. This is a transformative moment in our country to bring equality and quality health care to all people. And it's going to be um, led by young people. And I look forward to uh, following um, in your footsteps, Victor, um, to get a lot of this done on gun violence, on the environment, and you take it away on all these issues. Yeah, well, we could not have done it without fearless women like you both, Jill and Jan. Um, so that was awe-inspiring, and we really hope that young people really take this convention and take action after this. Um, we saw that with George Floyd's protesting, all these, you know, the activism within young, the younger generation is really just so amazing, um, and we just need to carry that to the ballot box come November. So, And, and I want to say to my generation, who is depressed and anxious about this election, that don't sit home being anxious. Mm -hmm. Start sending postcards into flippable states. Start making phone calls. There's a million places, and maybe Victor and I will put on our website some of the links to the Democratic Party of Evanston, to sure. um, probably Jan's office has some way of connecting you to a place that you can actually do something to change the outcome of this election. You can send money if you can afford it, but you can take action if you can't. So just, and, and as Jan said, it makes a difference if you call into offices. If, you know, people wanna be reelected. So they need to hear from you to say, this matters to me. Save the post office, save the election, make sure I can have a mail-in ballot. And by the way, let's have testing of COVID. So let your representatives know they care. They wanna be reelected. You could also um, email, we're going to have, I mean, text rather, we're having a, a major text effort. Oh. So if you're not a phone person, you can okay. text. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Got something for every, everyone. Exactly. Right 
what you like or don't like. Yes. So take action, stop being depressed. <laughs> Good way to end. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Thank Jan. We hope you listening also enjoyed this episode. Be sure to follow us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, and send us suggestions, ideas for future topics, and speakers you'd like to see via Jill, myself, or our website. Lastly, Intergenerational Politics is now on Apple Podcasts, so be sure to subscribe and rate our channel to support us. Thanks for listening, and see you on our next episode.